Hello and welcome everyone. This is Charging Up Leadership. I am your host, Heidi Fry, and this podcast is all about energizing you from the inside out with a mission of inspiring leaders to plug in, light up, and just be the best versions of themselves and how they live and lead. Last week, I interviewed Andy Havmeyer, and I left wanting to know more. So I reached out to a fellow coach who has a sweet spot working with leaders whose careers and lives have been impacted by addiction and alcohol. Therese Marie Smith has enjoyed great success in her career as a business owner, a recruiter, author, trainer, mentor, executive coach, and always, always at the top of the list as a leader. Plus, she is fun, direct, and has great stories. So please help me in welcoming coaching colleague and friend, Therese Marie Smith. Hello. Hi, hi. hi Heidi. Thanks you? for having me. Oh, I am <sighs> very excited uh, to basically continue the conversation I started with Andy, uh, with you. I think this is going to be really, really terrific. So context. As I mentioned last week, I interviewed a business owner who has dealt with addiction and alcoholism. And after our conversation, I honestly could not sleep. I had so many additional questions. So I thought, uh, you know, I would call you. Here you are. I thought I would let you know the nature of my curiosity with a few high level preloaded questions as a starting point. And then hopefully with that as context, we can dive into a more organic conversation. Does that work for you? Sounds good to me. Okay. So here we go. First of all, um, so I basically have three things that I, I wrote down. First of all, are there really that many leaders struggling with addiction? I, maybe I'm naive about this one. So, uh, and maybe you can give a quick definition. The second question is there a theme to the disconnection? Because I think it probably starts from a disconnection from oneself. Is that different from the disconnection that others experience? And then thirdly, I know coaching was the guy that I interviewed. It was his way out, his saving grace. And I'm curious in the coaching process, what was the lifeline coaching provided and maybe how is it different for this population versus uh, a non-addicted population? I know that's a lot and, and I'm not expecting you just to go off answering all three of those, but that's the nature of where I'm I'm going. So hello again. Hello. Lucky for you. I think I know answers to all three questions. So I think we're good. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Okay. All right. So I guess you want to start with an, uh, 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 what am I trying to say? A definition. <laughs> uh, a definition. I, I want to look at the question that you pose. Are there really leaders who are alcoholic or addict? Yes, there are. Okay. Um, and, you know, addiction and alcoholism does not follow any socioeconomic lines. Okay. It's across the board. It, okay. it doesn't matter if you're 
um, a person who's living under a bridge or if you're a CEO, it's the same across all. And so when you had asked this question, I, I looked up um, statistics because I'm not a numbers kind of girl, but sure. I thought I would see what the numbers are. Um, SAMHSA, which stands for Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. So this is a federal agency. Gotcha. Um, re they released these results in January. Um, 46.3 million people met the DSM's criteria for being alcoholic or addict. Okay, so that no. is 16.5% of the population. Um, now, of that 43 million people, 29 and a half million are alcoholics and the rest of them are drug addicts. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So mm -hmm. if, if 16.5% of the population has addiction, 16.5% of executives, leaders sure, sure, have addiction. Sure. Um, another thing that was not listed in SAMHSA's numbers, but it was listed in another, um, and this was my curiosity because it's something that I see in my coaching practice. Um, the number of adult children of alcoholics who occupy the top seat in the organization. Interestingly, I've seen, I've, I've got, I've seen this time and time again with my CEO clients. Um, about the same number of people in the population are adult children of alcoholics, 29.5 um, million. So wait, break that down for me. What are you saying exactly? Okay. okay, so if you look at the people who have been affected by addiction, they fall into two buckets, either, either the person who has the addiction right. or alcoholism. Yeah or people who have been affected by it, meaning okay. they're adult children of alcoholics, they're the spouses of gotcha. whatever. Okay. okay. So if you clump them into this equation of alcoholic, at drug, drug addicted, people who have been affected by it, you got a big population of people, mm -hmm. a big population of people. And um, We'll get, I know we'll get into this later. Um, because of all the stigma around addiction and alcoholism sure. and all that, um, these people don't identify. Of course. <laughs> so of they're, course. they're sort of silent, silently suffering, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there are, there are plenty of people out there, but many of them just aren't talking about it. Now that doesn't surprise me. That part doesn't surprise me, but I, I wasn't sure, you know, because it's, one of those silent things you just don't know. Um, okay, wait, wait. I want to go back to something else you said about how it's across all socioeconomic, you know, there's no one or the other. Is there a, what's the distribution? Is it a higher number in X versus Y? Maybe they don't I can't have that data. That. I, yeah, I'd be, I would be making that up. I'm sure the data is there mm -hmm. with maybe um, race, gender, that sort of thing. I, I think that those are probably um, those differentiations are, are in the um, data, but I didn't dive into that. So I yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. No, no, no problem whatsoever. Okay. So where where do you want to go with this? Because it's I, I am so blind to much of this. Um, I, I'm going to ask you to lead the conversation a little bit. 
based on what you Yay. think I want to know. <laughs> Nothing like dumping it right in your lap. You are a coach, so I'm just dumping it. There we go. Um, you know what? I want to stick with your questions um, because I like the questions. Um, and I think I can kind of expand on them as we go. Okay. Um, cool. you, you talked about this theme of disconnection and um, I, I'm looking at this through the, through the lens of a leader. Okay. Those are the people that I deal with. They're, of course. they're the C-suite people. Um, you know, they could be v VPs, but they're people who um, are high accountability people. Are in the okay? top 20% of the echelon of, you know, the top of the organization, yeah. which to me, quite frankly, is mind blowing. It's mind blowing and naive, right? That they could be affected by addiction? Yes. Oh, well, they're called high functioning alcoholics and addicts. I was one of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I, honestly, I, I nobody, I, I, I'll never forget this. I was serving on a board at our university, as a matter of fact. Okay. Um, and one of the people, um, I was talking to somebody and explaining my specialty in coaching, working with um, executives who are recovering from addiction or alcoholism. And he said, how in God's name did you get into that line of work, Therese? And I said, well, it was through my own recovery, getting sober and going through that. And I, you could have knocked him over. He's, he looked at me, he said, you're not an alcoholic. And I said, yeah, I am. And he goes, Teresa, I'm telling you, you're not an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. You're the an expert. He said, yeah, well, yeah, that too. <laughs> he said, you're the epitome of stability. And I can't remember the second word. And I said, that's because that's what I needed you to know. Mm. You didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. And it takes a whole lot of effort for um, an alcoholic or an addicted person to, you know, keep the world um, spinning in the right direction. So nobody knows what the real problem is. And in my case, I didn't really even know what the real problem was. Because mm -hmm. again, never got in trouble. Right. Never, you know, had right. trouble with the law and never lost a job. Um, well, and I met, you know, uh, straight A student and blah, 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 blah. I mean, oh, scholarships. Yeah. Scholar, you got it. So absolutely. That, mm -hmm. That's what, you know, going back to, um, the underpinnings of it for, for me and many of my clients and the people that I deal with is that second part that I talked about is the children of alcoholics and the children of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. I have not met, I, you know, I, there are very few, I'm not going to make a global statement. There are very, very, very few people that I talk to who are in a leadership role who haven't been affected by the disease. Mm. because they're the high achievers you know mm. that was me i had to get mm -hmm. straight a's you mm. know there things at home were crazy but they weren't crazy at school so mm. i could achieve and i could get you know recognition and all that other good stuff and i grew 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 promoted 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 um until it stopped working the medication stops working at some point or another so i'm I'm actually getting kind of emotional about this for you. Oh, it was, you know, when you get the the part, point leading up to recovery is, is painful as heck. And when you get into it, it's, it's painful too. But then once you get to the certain place, you realize that um, 
it was the um it was the thing that makes you who you are. Of course. And I you know that that's and there's so much joy in that and there's so much um just pleasure in knowing that um what I went through is somehow useful to somebody else. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a there's a statement in one of the in the literature that says um no matter how far down the scale we've gone our experience can be useful to other people. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. So, so then let's, yeah. let's go back. Thank you. That's, I didn't mm-hmm. expect that level of vulnerability and I, and I applaud and thank you for that. That having been said, go back to this idea of disconnection of self. So you just talked about a lot of recovering addicts and alcoholics are high achievers. That's why you'll find them often in a C-suite. And so, because we're coaches, I understand that disconnection Mm -hmm. of self is the disconnection of self for this population different than the other people we coach. Is there a specialty? I mean, obviously there's a specialty to it. Does that make sense? I don't think that the disconnection itself is different. I think okay. that there's a disconnection between um, yourself with yourself and yourself with whoever's running the universe, which is not yourself. Right? Gotcha. So there, okay. there, so there's, there's definitely a disconnect there. I think the effect of the disconnection is a little bit more pronounced Um Isolation, and that I'm going to call disconnection isolation. Isolation okay. kill, kills people who are addicted and are who are alcoholic or, or addicts. Um, the disease of addiction wants that person alone and dead, ultimately. Okay. It's a fatal progressive disease. Mm-hmm. So for a CEO who has CEO-itis, right? Mm-hmm. They are, they've got a whole system around them that supports and enables them. And if they're sick and they're, they're an addict, um, they're at a great, great disadvantage. Um, how do they get to recovery? Um, they don't just call the EAP. They're the ones who negotiated the EAP deal with their corporation. They're not going to say, Hey, Jane, on the helpline, I need some help. It's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> so right. It, they're, I just think that they're they're more isolated, so the um, that disconnect kind of I don't know I don't know how you want to say it. Well, well, okay. It's so more the, profound. the term that I or the phrase that I use often is it's lonely at the top, and you see a lot of a lot of head shaking, and yes, and that's why we're in a coaching arrangement because they need some support, they need to talk things through, blah blah blah. Is that what we're talking about? That yeah, kind of isolation. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they're not talking about the real deal to the people at work. They're talking about operations. They're talking about strategic plan. They're talking about all that stuff. Who they are and how they are is not anything they're talking about. And the, not too many are going to say, you know, I think I need a therapist <laughs> and I'm not a therapist. You're not a therapist. Right. 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 But, but they'll talk to somebody, a coach who can help them sort of bring it out and then decide what do they need? Do they need a therapist? Do they need, what, what do they need? Do they need treatment? What do they need? Right. So, but, but this isn't manifesting itself. Well, 
Hmm. I'm answering my own question. I think it's not manifesting itself during the day at work in terms of the actual uh, abuse of something. However, it is manifesting itself and how they connect with the world. Am I, am I grasping yeah, that correctly? It, it, it may or may not be manifesting at work. Um, hmm. One thing that I know to be true is that um and I'll use my own story so I don't have to throw any of my clients uh, out there, right? Um, I didn't drink at work. Right. But I always knew that there was a drink at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So am I impacted? Is it manifesting during my day? I may not be thinking about it consciously, but subconsciously, I know that if I can just get through this, there's going to be a reward at the end mm -hmm. of the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, the it, it's a very tricky sort of thing. And <laughs> I heard somebody say this one time and I just loved it. Um, you know, nobody can tell you you're an alcoholic or you're an addict. Nobody can do it. That's up for you to decide. Okay. I will tell you, however, though, like me, if you're a person who has read those 20 questions that are in magazines or on websites, you know, answer these 20 questions mm -hmm, to see if you're mm -hmm. an alcoholic. Build Cosmo quiz. <laughs> yeah. You may have a problem because I think the only people who answer those questions are alcoholics. Because <laughs> frankly, I mean, think about it. Would you go, oh, I think I'm going to need, I'm going to take that quiz. You'd probably continue to look for the recipe sure. on the next page or whatever, right? Sure. sure. But um, every alcoholic and addict I know has taken that and they've answered 19 yes, but there's one that's no. And so maybe I'm not. Mm. Mm. That's it's a, it's a disease of perception and it's a, a disease of denial. You know, mm. how could I possibly have an addiction when I'm breaking all the sales records? Mm. How could I possibly have this if I show up at work every day? Mm -hmm. How could I possibly have this if I continue to get these awards and people are clapping for me? Well, you could, but it, it, it takes, it takes what it takes for people to, to finally figure it out. Okay. So they figure it out and they start to do the work. What does that entail? I mean, I know it's hard work. It's hard work for anyone, right? Is it extra? because of their situation truly yeah. i don't know i don't know yeah. this is foreign territory for me i think it's extra and then it becomes an it becomes assimilated into their lives mm -hmm. um for instance uh, uh there's a lot of treatment facilities for addicted folks and um there are many that cater to the high accountability professional mm -hmm. um you know they go away to treatment for several months but they still have a company to run, right? Mm -hmm. So they're allowed time that they can do their business. And I used to um, have uh, collaborate with a place out in California that 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 did that. But there's plenty of treatment centers for executives. So initially, there might be treatment needed, and then there's ongoing support that happens. Now, I happen to be an advocate of um, ongoing support. I okay. support the 12, the 12 step model. Just mm -hmm. that happens to be what mm -hmm. I think works. Um, and that's a lifelong endeavor. That's the one day at a time for their, for your life, but you don't think about it as your life. 
people think about it as just just today. And it works so well with coaching because um, coaching is about a specific period of time and di- you know uncover, mm-hmm. discover, recover. Mm-hmm. We've used, mm-hmm. we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. It's just an ongoing continuous process of self exploration. So it does start out to be extra, just like any coaching relationship would, because it's another it's another appointment on your on your calendar. Sure. And there's okay. going to be work involved in it. But what, what happens is it becomes a part of your life. It becomes a part of what you do mm-hmm. and who you are. So then it's not, it's not viewed as extra. Again, this is a disease of perception. I could perceive that, gosh, I gotta, I gotta do all this. Well, you just do it. It's just right. part of what you do. Right. Well, if I was, if I was, if uh, let me, let me give you a hold that thought. For instance, if I were diet, if I were a diabetic, Mm -hmm. I could just, you know, lament that I'm going to have to eat the right foods or rely on insulin, right. For the rest Mm -hmm. of my life in order to live, or I could just accept it and say, yeah, I'm going to have to do one of those two things. And it's just what I'm going to have to do. Right. Same thing. It's the same Mm -hmm. kind of dynamic with addiction, recovery, and diabetes recovery. The only difference is people like people don't have a, a judgment against <laughs> diabetics yeah, right. so much the as they stigma do. You talked about earlier. Yeah. So I know we've well, we've talked in the past about I guess it's been my philosophy about coaching and that core light and, you know, and, and that perspective. And I just remember you saying, gosh, it's almost like you're talking about the steps because there's a similarity there. Again, my philosophy of coaching, which is not, which is about being balanced, operating from your core, that core light being goodness, uh, getting out of your ego uh, letting go of what's in your backpack, those kinds of principles. Would you, is that, am I correct in? in... Oh, yeah. If, if I had to summarize the steps, um, the first step is about surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my way's not working anymore. Yeah. The second step is about, okay, there's something bigger than me that can probably fix all this. Okay. And the third step is about, making the decision to let that entity take control versus me trying to control the universe. And then the next four, five, six, seven, and eight are all about that digging out, going into the backpack and deciding what's in there that's useful, what's not useful. Who have I, who have I um, harmed along the way? You know, what are the things Mm -hmm. that are, are preventing me from having this, connection and maybe me beliefs all of that yeah Yeah. that's all in those steps okay and then the last three steps are the they call them maintenance steps one is continuing to take a personal inventory Mm. the next one is to improve your conscious contact with a higher power Consciousness. And the last Love one that. is, yeah, well, I'm sorry. The last one. And the, yeah. And the last one is about carrying this to help others. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. It's yeah. very consistent with coaching because coaching is about people come to coaches because they're ready to surrender. 
what they're doing isn't working, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. on a level, it's very much the same. It looks a little uglier with addiction and alcoholism sure. because there's all the physical and the social and other, all yeah. that other nonsense, yeah. but um, very similar, very similar. It is. Huh. Okay. So when I was interviewing Andy, he did make comment about, you know, his lifeline was through a organization called the guiding light and how he went through a coaching process. So can you give a little ditty on, you know, not so much what you've seen, but how has the coaching process, how does it benefit someone in this type of situation? It supports, um, it supports their sobriety. It doesn't cause their, or it doesn't control their sobriety. Mm -hmm. um, it, it supports their sobriety in the context of being a professional person. Um, and does it also support, I'm guessing the answer is yes, but I'll ask it anyway. I'm guessing mm -hmm. it supports, don't you love when I have the answer in advance? That's great. You can interview, your, <laughs> interview me all day long. <laughs> Um, I'm guessing it supports in addition to sobriety, that's the, that's the outside view, but it supports this internal deep dive knowing of self or knowing we self. Call that yeah. We call that emotional sobriety. Oh, oh, oh. say more about that. Sobri yeah. Sobriety isn't just putting down the bottle or the drug or whatever. It's about living your life on life's terms. Mm. Right. And how do you do that in a serene, peaceful way? Right. So emotional sobriety is um, all of the stuff that life throws your way and how you respond to it. Um, most alcoholics and addicts are reactors. Sure. Stimulus, react, stimulus, react. Um through a recovery program, whether a person uses coaching or whatever they decide that they're going to use, um, you, you build in a pause so you can respond based mm -hmm. on who you are and what's important to you and your values and all that other good stuff. So that's what mm -hmm. emotional sobriety kind of mm -hmm. summed up could be. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. So without throwing any of your clients under the bus, I don't know if they're is an example of a before and after and not even so much to themselves, but the effect on others. I know that's a big ask. You haven't had time to think about this at all. Um, so, so like they've gone yeah. through this. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. First off, I want to be sure that your audience knows that this isn't like a, 10 week program to make sure that you're going to be a better right, person right, at course. the end of it. This, this, this is, is a lifelong work. commitment. Is, yeah. Yeah. This is deep yeah. work. Mm -hmm. Just like when a person stops working with you, if you're anything like me, I'm hoping they're going to continue all the stuff that we built yes. together. Right. I pray. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't expect, like I didn't go to see my trainer at the gym for a week and go, man, I'm, I'm going to have a great body. No. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you get yourself to a great body and you say, all right, now that this is done, done I can just move on. No problem. Absolutely. Just the way it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
But how has it impacted, um, first of all, the people who I work with have got to be committed to working um, a program of recovery. Mm -hmm. I, I have worked with people who wanted coaching to be the replacement for recovery. It can't be. Oh, it's gotta, it's gotta just like go alongside yeah, it. Just, mm -hmm. it. Just like church can't be a replacement for recovery. Mm -hmm. It's a part of it. It's a very yeah. important part of it. Right. What, what I do as a coach for a recovering person is help them assimilate all the recovery principles into their normal business life. I call that integration, right? Integration. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's my goal. So if somebody's not working a program of recovery, they're not going to pick me. They're, mm. they're not going to pick me because I'm going to be constantly asking them what they're doing in the recovery program. And they're going to say nothing and they're going to get a little discouraged. Oh, right? there's that whole accountability piece. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did have somebody that I worked with who um, we were together for quite some time, a couple of years, I'm thinking two or three years. And um, they're um, they were not an alcoholic, but they were, the child of one mm. and they were the, they were the sibling of one. Mm. And we, we talked every week and I get off the call and I, I think this was just, this was a, a 12 step meeting. And I told the person, I said, why aren't you going to meetings? Well, I'd rather talk to you. That's really expensive. You can do 12 step meetings for a couple of bucks, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that that replaces coaching, but you really need to have both of them. Um, mm -hmm. it, it would be lopsided to, to not. That would be the same thing with a person who is, um, who has a, a, a mental, um, illness. If somebody's depressed or has anxiety, they gotta see somebody for that. I can't, sure. I can't touch that. Sure. Um, so they've got it. I'm I'm the quarterback for their recovery program. I'm the person who can look at it from outside the bubble. They've got, you know, they've got their sponsor in their program and they've got their therapist and all this. And I'm the person who is talking to them about, but who do you want to be as a leader? Given the fact that you got all these other, all these plates going, what, what's important and how do you sort all that stuff out? That's important. Yeah, it's important you remember that one. Yeah, um, an, another thing that you said about what are the effects? These are no different than the effects that you would report from one of your clients. Better relationships. I think of one um, uh, one of my clients who her relationships with the people that she led were bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were they, and it came down to not about dealing with it wasn't the alcoholism. It was about their behaviors. So then we use, we talk about that stuff. We talk about disc. We talk about um, Myers-Briggs. We talk about whatever. Um, oh, whatever so you're a using. Coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. It's that the addiction and the alcoholism piece, um, it's kind of, it's in the background, but it comes into the foreground sometimes. Sure. Sure. Um, sure. It's just that I have, um, I've got a different perspective having, having been through it and taken other people, helping guide, yeah. guiding people through yeah. it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So it's perspective. I think that's what is different for me. Yeah, I love that. What did I do? I saw something the other day and they were talking about um, the difference was perspective. I, I don't recall what it was, but yes, that is really the, the, I think the magic piece to your offering to this experience for someone is mm -hmm. your perspective and uh, quite frankly, your non-judgment and your openness and your being able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and the hope that you provide, right? All of that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, and it's funny because you had mentioned earlier about, you know, thank you for your vulnerability. I have to be, yeah. I have to be, yeah. if I want to continue to yeah. grow and evolve, um, I have to be open. Now, of course, this is another thing with addiction, determining boundaries of appropriateness mm -hmm. to, you know, <laughs> yeah. when to say the things you need to say. Um a lot of times when people are first in recovery, they, they tend to be a little mouthy. I'm going to just use me. I know I was, um, and it's probably best. To, <laughs> well, I do to think, a little actually easy. A I think that's a parallel in our coaching, right? That when someone first enters the coaching environment, um, they can be mouthy or egotistical or non-believing or doubting Thomas, whatever, right? They, they or even evan evangelical. Um, yeah. I, I just said something, I did a, <clears throat> a workshop around disc and, um, a person, um, reached out to me, um, about, I want everybody in my organization to do this. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Hold on, gotcha, just a minute. Let's, gotcha. let's apply it to you and then let's take it to the other people. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, I this has been a lot. This has been really great. I it's it's been a real eye-opener. Um, so do you have anything else for me or the listeners about Anything we, you know, do you want to go deeper in on every anything or are we good for now? Tell me what you're thinking. No, I think we're good. I I, I just value the opportunity to talk about um, the word addiction and the word alcoholism in the context of, of professional growth. Yay. I, honestly. Well, and to me, this is how I felt about this uh, last interview that I did. I felt in a way he was fortunate because he had the opportunity. Yes, it was through this addiction path, but he had the opportunity to do deeper work. And that is really what we should all be doing. I remember a, an instructor once saying, a coaching instructor saying, coaching is great for the planet. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And there is some truth to it. There is truth to it. So that having been said, yeah, he was fortunate enough to get to this point where this lifeline of coaching uh, saved him, which was so cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel the same way about, um, you know, just dropping into this whole recovery scene. That's not at all what was on my plan early right. on. Right. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be 47 and, and realize I'm an alcoholic. No, mm -hmm. that was not my plan at all, but, and I'm not making this up it's the best thing that ever happened to me because yeah. it really, yeah. really helped me know who I am and be okay with it. Mm -hmm. It was the way in. It was the it, way in. Totally. Yeah. Totally. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This conversation has been so insightful. And uh, I, I just thank you so much again for your vulnerability, your courage, your knowledge, uh, sharing those numbers with us. Um, all of it. It's been it's been really great. So I guess I'll ask you, A, how can people find you? And B, uh, any other resources that you want to lay on us? Uh, how can you find me? I am on the World Wide Web. Uh, my... <laughs> What's that? <laughs> my, okay, uh, yes. Yeah. My, uh, my website is meetterese.com. M-E-E-T-T-H-E-R-E-S-E.com. I am on LinkedIn, Therese Marie Smith. Okay, cool. And um, you'll find me there. You'll, you might get confused when you go there because I do, I do work for a company too, in addition to the coaching that I do. So mm -hmm, don't mm -hmm. be confused. If you see that I'm an employee somewhere, I am, I'm a coach as well. Yes. You do many, many things. All right. And then lastly, any organizations that uh, people can reach out to as a starting point in terms of uh, the program you mentioned? Well, 12 step programs are, uh, are online. There's AA.org. There's Alanon.org. AA is for alcoholics. Um, Alanon.org is for people who are um, adult children of alcoholics. Um, NA, I don't know what their website is. That's for Narcotics Anonymous. Gotcha. Another one, 12-step re recovery. Um, and then... Uh, Oh my gosh, something was in my head and it just left me. Give me just one second to think. Um, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to hang up and I'm going to have a really wonderful breakthrough that I wasn't able to bring to your people. I guess what I would encourage you to do is go online and do some research on the disease of addiction and alcoholism sure, sure. and how to identify it. Um, I know what I was going to say. It just came back to me. Yeah. Workaholics Anonymous. Workaholics Anonymous. Oh, we could have a whole session on that. Workaholics Anonymous is a 12-step program for people who um, who hide in their work. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take on a that. quiz here yeah. soon. Yeah. Oh, you might want to look at the <laughs> There's 20 questions. It's workaholics-anonymous.org, and there are 20 questions there. All you right. Not take super, them. We, want, we super. want to hear more from you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure uh, having a conversation with you. And as always, it's a treat. It's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Trace. Oh, man, I just love her. So vulnerable. So real. She is so real. Love that. And uh, knowing her outside of this conversation, she's done a lot of work to get there. So very cool. Thank you again, Trees. The numbers that she cited are staggering. Truly, big eye-opener for me. And uh, there's an issue in the executive realm. And it's back to that disconnection to self. And so whether it is related to addiction or anything else, uh, quite frankly, clients I see, there's almost always some kind of disconnection. It just happens for various reasons. So this is something to pay attention to. What I think I love the most is 
quite frankly, what her specialty with addiction does, which is finding that path back back to self. And that is what coaching does, uh, because there are different reasons that we get disconnected. It's a what I call a heavy backpack. It's uh, limiting beliefs, or in this case, it's substance abuse. So there is always a disconnection. And again, that is the nature of coaching. I hope you love this episode as much as I did. And go make it a great day. Thank you, everyone. You have been listening to the Charging Up Leadership Podcast, and I am your host, Heidi Fry, charged up, plugged in, and sending you energy, light, and love. Find me at HeidiFry.com. And don't forget to check out my book, The Light Switch, available on Amazon, in your local bookstores, or on my website. The Charging Up Leadership Podcast is created, hosted, and produced by Heidi Fry. Theme music is by Yevchen Anoichenko from Pixabay.